You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. There's a good chance that if you were driving around Metro Detroit last week, you came across some of the really profound flooding that we experienced in the roadways. Residents in Dearborn Heights were even kayaking down flooded streets, and the Southfield Freeway was closed in both directions, with water reaching 14 feet near Outer Drive. Seems like this kind of event is happening more frequently. It was just a few years ago that authorities had to don scuba gear to try to save motorists on the freeways after a massive flood, which also destroyed basements and their contents. This is, of course, a weather and climate issue, but it is also an infrastructure issue. Infrastructure, something we talk about a lot on this show, something we talk about a lot in the state of Michigan, but something that we have not yet mustered the will or the resources to do much about. So how do we do better, especially when our infrastructure is already in such bad shape and when these weather events will not be decreasing? In fact, everyone, I think, believes that that we'll see far more of these kinds of events happening. Joining me now to talk more about infrastructure and how we might do better is Greg Kajvinsky. He's a stormwater management practice leader for OHM Advisors. He recently wrote an op-ed in Crane's Detroit Business titled Michigan Cries Out for 21st Century Infrastructure. Greg, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Also with us is Kelly Carl. She's a manager manager at Environment and Infrastructure at SEMCOG here in Southeast Michigan. Kelly Carl, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So let's start with this. Why are we seeing these kinds of flooding events more frequently? No question. We get rain in volumes and frequency that we didn't used to before, but Talk about the infrastructure reasons that these flooding events are happening. I'll start with you, Greg. So many of the systems that we designed generations ago to handle stormwater runoff are, are aging out. They're you know, 70 or 80 years old. They were designed and built in a time when standards were much different. And second of all, we're not necessarily maintaining the systems like we're, we're supposed to. We're not getting underground and checking to see whether they're, they're still structurally sound. And so um, due to those two problems, I think we're seeing, we're just not seeing an adequate level of service to our residents and businesses. Mm. Uh, Kelly Carl, uh, talk about these, these flooding events that we're experiencing here in Metro Detroit. Sure. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, GLISA, also known as the Great Lakes Integrated Sciences and Assessment Program, is a collaborative between MSU and U of M. And they have estimated that since the early 1950s, total annual rainfall precipitation has increased by about 14, 15%. And that amount of precipitation in the heaviest of events has increased by about 35% Hmm. since the early 1950s. So not only do we experience intense rainfall recently, but also in some areas, I think the challenge is sometimes the storms just stall out and keep raining. And our infrastructure, as Greg mentioned, isn't necessarily designed to handle some of these intense um, events because it was designed and constructed decades and decades ago. Yeah. So so one of the things I wonder is uh, often uh, how much of this is about 
maintenance of the systems we have and how much of it is about delayed upgrades. Uh, Kelly, you're, you're talking there about you know the fact that we built this infrastructure back in the 50s and, and 60s. Uh, is it just age or is it also just is it also the way that we maintain uh, these systems? Are, are, we, are we sort of creating a double track of trouble for ourselves, Kelly? Well, I think even as Greg mentioned, it's a combination of both. You know, um, one of the challenges in our region that Greg can talk in detail to is the lack of funding for maintaining our stormwater infrastructure. Much of our infrastructure is out of sight, out of mind, and um, it's hard to know exactly how effectively they are functioning um, for what they're designed for, even or even these extreme events that far exceed the design standards. And I think also it's important to know and for the public to understand, you know, we have thousands of miles of stormwater pipes, pumps, conveyance systems, storage systems underground. And, you know, all the runoff that collects in our in our region or in any area ultimately goes to these systems that ultimately goes to our creeks and rivers and eventually the Great Lakes. Hmm. Um, so that amount of runoff over time as development has progressed has increased. So not only is it just the rain events, where we have more rain than what was designed for in some cases, but we have excess runoff. And it's important that we look at how we manage that runoff now to look for long-term solutions to improving these situations. Yeah. Uh, Greg, can you put a number on this problem, a dollar figure that uh, we're behind or that we need to raise to take better care of this infrastructure? So um, under the previous governor, um, Governor Snyder, um, uh, the infrastructure report, 21st century infrastructure report, they put Michigan's overall infrastructure deficit at about $4 billion a year. Now, that includes everything. That's roadways and water mains and sewers. Um, if you look at several studies uh, that are performed by national organizations like McKinsey Consulting and others, they put it, um, based on the size of Michigan's economy, probably at closer to $5 billion. Um, some of the studies that we've done, uh, my company, OHM Advisors, has done looks at on the stormwater side, we're probably looking at between 500 million and 1 billion a year. So out of that 4 billion deficit that was outlined in the, in the governor's uh, 21st century infrastructure commission, you know, between a half a billion and a billion is probably related to drainage. Wow. Wow. And mm -hmm. if you, if you sort of localize that to Southeast Michigan, Kelly, what do those numbers, what do those numbers look like? Well, compare that to um, the recently approved transportation improvement program, mm -hmm. which identifies all the transportation investments over the next four or five years. And that number in our region is about four and a half billion. Wow. So wow. Um, if you compare four and a half billion over the next four or five years, around a billion dollars a year, and Greg's mentioning 500 million to a billion dollars a year from a stormwater standpoint, you know, maybe statewide. I mean, it, it's probably equivalent. Wow. There are significant uh, stormwater challenges, and and uh, of course the, the the question is where do we get that money, and and where might we see as consumers uh, the added the added bill for that show up? Is that through our water bills? Is that through added taxes? What's the way that that other states or other communities uh, would tackle these problems if if they were if they're going to face that kind of a bill? So in the state of Michigan, we're in a unique scenario. We have about um, between eight and 10 cities that have 
what we call a stormwater utility. That's a, a utility fee for stormwater. The reason we don't have more is that there was a Supreme Court case, um, I think it was back in 98, uh, Bolt versus Lansing. And that Supreme Court case basically created a precedent that stormwater user fees constitute an illegal tax. Mm. Now, we're currently supporting legislation that should be introduced in Lansing within the next week that would be enabling, would enable communities to do, uh, create a stormwater utility. In our neighboring states, such as let's say Ohio and Wisconsin, they each have over 100 cities that have stormwater utility fees. And it's the best, most equitable way to charge hmm. for a property's impact on the stormwater system because you can measure hard surfaces because that's what creates all the runoff. And the reason that's necessary is, you know, the federal government's been getting out of the business of infrastructure for decades now. The amount of money coming from the federal government is smaller and smaller every year. And so it really comes down to the states and the municipalities to pay for that. And it's the, the burden is shifting from the federal government to the states and now to the municipalities. So the solution is likely going to be utility fees at the local level to pay for upgrades to systems. Um, and what's the what's the timetable that you could you could see something like that unfolding? If we started now and said we gotta we gotta do better, we gotta raise this money, how soon could we see improvements? Everything infrastructure related takes a long time. <laughs> I was gonna I've, say it's not instant, right? <laughs> right. In in my twenty, I guess I've been working now um, for close to twenty five years, and um, the one thing that I've learned is when when you think something will take two or three years plan on 10. Um, and the reason is that it takes a long time to get those ordinances set up to generate the fees. Then you have to staff up and design. And you have to plan first, then you have to design it, and then you have to construct it, and you have to get permits. So all of those, those processes take a long time. Um, I, I would say that just like with the road program, if you started, if you started funding the roads as Governor Whitmer has rightly suggested to their necessary level, it would take you know five to ten years before you start to see any real improvements because it just takes a long time to catch up. So we just have a lot of catching up to do first, just to get the systems in decent working order. Then we can get to the next step of making the systems large enough to handle those rainfalls. Right, right. Uh, we're talking about uh, stormwater and flooding here in southeast Michigan, which we saw last week after the significant rain events. And we're talking about the infrastructure that undergirds all of that, the infrastructure that we have that's old, that's outdated, and that needs massive new investment. Um, give us a call if you want to join the conversation. What have these flooding events meant for you? What do you want to see done about it? And would you be willing to pay more uh, to fix these problems? If not, how do you think we ought to be addressing these infrastructure problems. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We also can uh, take your comments on the WDET Facebook page, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning, everyone. You know, it, and I haven't heard a good part of the equation that's been left out and that is people. I mean, with all the trash that people, you know, that you see down on the freeways, mm. when they run to those drains that, you know, that collects the stuff, I mean, I'm no engineer. I had nothing to do with, you know, designing the stuff. You know, the pumps, they, they get 
clogged up and, you know, water stops moving and where's it got to go? It comes up and you got 14 feet of water out here at uh, Outer Drive and Southfield and back a few years ago right there at uh, where Oakland ran across uh, uh, from the lodge. I mean, it looked like a beautiful swimming pool. But, um, you know, people play a role in this also. And, you know, even mentioning dollars, um, something's got to be done. It's not going to be done free. And, I mean, you know, same thing like with the roads. It's going to take money. It's going to cost everybody's money. Everybody's going to have to share in the pain. Yeah, Tom, I really appreciate the, the, the call and, and you injecting that demand, that human dimension, I guess, into the into the problem. How, how much does that does that really play a role, Greg and uh, and Kelly? Uh, th- this idea mm-hmm. that w- the trash that we create uh, is is driving uh, these flooding problems. Well, it can affect you know operations. Obviously, um, I think one of the things we like to say is only rain in the drain. And encourage the public to understand those catch basins in your roads or your neighborhood um, are there just for rain. They're not there to dump garbage or trash down and because it can cause backups. Uh, The Southfield Freeway was unique last week because, um, as we talked about, with more development, we see more runoff. And that means more runoff to manage in the infrastructure. Hmm. Um, And this ultimately goes to our creeks. But in this case, Ecorse Creek overflowed its banks and you had Ecorse Creek flowing down one of the ramps of the freeway. Wow. Um, and those kinds of situations, that's a much bigger challenge to address because you have to look at the entire area that's draining to that area to look at where, where are there areas where you can engineer solutions to redirect runoff, store runoff, or infiltrate some of the early rain events so you don't have that peak flow coming downstream. Mm-hmm. Right. And beyond the, the trash and debris, you know, the other thing that, that we deal with, and, and Kelly's well aware of this as well, is is just pollution in general. So, stormwater. As soon as it rains, it takes not just debris and trash, but the the stuff you can't see, um, the the nutrients, the heavy metals like lead and copper and zinc, and it and and bacteria from um, you take your dog out on a walk, you know, you don't clean up after it, that ends up in the drain too. So, um, stormwater quality is important and. The, the infrastructure that manages our stormwater in the future is going to need to address water quality much more so because the, the federal and state regulatory environment is going to require that stormwater is cleaner than it used to be. So that's going to require communities to do a little bit more. So, for instance, the city of Detroit's embarking on a grand green stormwater infrastructure program that's going to help to um, clean up and filter some of that stormwater before it gets into the city sewer system. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone on the phones. Uh, let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say I'm often puzzled and confounded by the lack of linkage between uh, what we spend on our military as a nation uh, while we're neglecting um, our infrastructure, what are we defending if we're crumbling from within? I mean, these are exigent, you know, environmental effects that if we don't deal with, there's going to be nothing left to defend. It just, it, I guess it's not sexy and it's not what people get motivated by. Uh, they vote their pocketbooks. Yeah, Charlie, you are expressing a frustration that uh, I express often <laughs> sometimes when I'm driving my car through 
uh, through flooded areas like we do here in Southeast Michigan. And you're right, it's about priorities. I, I would argue and always do that it, I think the either or kind of comparison sometimes is problematic. I think we ought to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We ought to be able to do the things that are important because they're important and not uh, pit them against one another. But I do appreciate uh, I do appreciate the sentiment. Um, Greg and Kelly, it is a hard sell in this region and in this state to get people to understand that this stuff can't happen for free. Both Tom and Charlie, I think, uh, really, really touch on that that issue. Uh, what do we do to get people to understand that there's money that we don't pay uh, that creates these problems? I, th- I think part of that is understanding the history of, of how we got here. And to Charlie's point, you know, uh, President Eisenhower, when he built the interstate system, that was a defense budget project. Right. It was a massive defense budget project. So I often joke with some of my colleagues that we should just make infrastructure part of the defense budget, then it would get its due, right? Um, but what, what a lot of people don't understand is that the infrastructure that's there today was built by other people. And when I say that, the cities that we live in and we pay taxes to, they didn't build that necessarily. It was built by developers. Mm-hmm. Much of it was built through federal grants uh, after the Clean Water Act in the yes. 1970s and 80s. And that was all built out and now it's up to the communities because they've inherited that those assets. And so now they have to rehab it. They have to replace it. Now the cost comes back to the community and its residents. And that's really tough. And what makes that even worse is that in the last about 40 years, Michigan's population has gone up about 8%. Mm-hmm. And our infrastructure footprint has gone up 40%. So when you, add, when you put those two together, that's not sustainable. We're all paying for a lot more infrastructure. So even without having to replace it or rehabilitate it, we have, we just, we all own more of it. And so this is not our grandparents' infrastructure we're inheriting. It's much bigger and it's, uh, it's in much worse shape. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, Carl, I, I wonder if you can talk about the, the, the strain uh, that we experience here in Southeast Michigan from just the size of the metro area and the growth in the metro area and the the unwillingness to keep paying to to sort of backfill, I guess, uh, to keep up old infrastructure and build new, uh, so that we don't experience these uh, these issues. Is there a, is there a tension there between growth or sprawl uh, and taking care of infrastructure? Um, I don't know that I would say it's unwillingness. You know, I think I would say that I like to recognize our local communities and counties in the region because they have very experienced and knowledgeable engineering and public work staff. We have seen a lot of development across the region. Um, the challenge is properly managing, you know, the runoff. And there are a number of efforts underway, you know, to help work towards these long-term solutions. And it, it specifically, I think if you look at the local level with the communities, with the, you know, the counties, the region and the state. There are a lot of collaborative efforts. This is not being addressed independently. Um, it needs to be looked at on a watershed basis, as we say. You know, what is the drainage area? Where's the water coming from? Where does it flow? Water flow doesn't end at political boundaries. Um, so I think that if you say, when we talk about development, communities and counties have practices that are in place to require stormwater management for new development and redevelopment. A lot of that includes green infrastructure, 
you know, those that include such things as rain gardens, tree canopy, other natural areas that can soak up some of that initial rainfall um, to minimize the amount eventually going into our infrastructure, you know, to help prolong the life of the infrastructure and, and minimize some of these uh, bigger rain effects. Rain effects. Um, they're also, you know, looking at targeting some of those priority areas that do see the big flooding and looking at engineering studies to figure out what are the alternative and most cost-effective solutions. Uh, we're doing that currently at the, with the Southfield Freeway. We're working with MDOT, Great Lakes uh, Water Authority, City of Dearborn, and others to identify some solutions to the Southfield Freeway flooding. And this was really in response to the flooding event that happened a, a few years back. Um, we're all, at SEMCOG, we're also looking at uh, identifying all of the bridges, roads, road segments, pump stations, and culverts that are prone to flooding, and then being able to use that information to identify infrastructure and operational improvements to mitigate flooding in the future. So it's not a one-item solution. You know, there's a variety of approaches that need to be looked at collectively and collaboratively across all of our agencies, and that is happening. But as Greg says, too, this is not a quick solution. It's a long-term process in incorporating how we do business together. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about flooding and infrastructure and investment. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Paul in Oakland Township, Jim in Pontiac, Maggie in Southwest Detroit. We will get to you next as well. And if you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. My guests are Greg Kazvinsky. He's a stormwater management practice leader for OHM Advisors. He recently wrote an op-ed in Crane's Detroit business titled Michigan Cries Out for 21st Century Infrastructure. Also with us is Kelly Carl. She is an environment and infrastructure manager at SEMCOG here in Southeast Michigan. We're talking about infrastructure, uh, the flooding that we saw last week and have seen in far more frequency than we have in the past uh, in Southeast Michigan and across the state because we don't take great care of the infrastructure of the stormwater systems that run beneath our streets. Uh, What should we be doing about that? How can we reinvest in that infrastructure? Uh, If you want to join the conversation, as always, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Maggie in Southwest Detroit. Maggie, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me on. Appreciate the conversation today. I just wanted to call out some of what residents and community groups are working to do. It was mentioned that infrastructure problems like this take a long time to resolve for years. I mean, forever. Detroiters have work to do for themselves also when other things have been slow to come. So in Southwest Detroit, community groups like Southwest Detroit Environmental Vision and others, along with residents who we work with and for, have pursued and secured an eco-district designation through EcoWorks. And what we're working to do through that eco-district designation is 
first look at this water problem as an environmental challenge. And so we're using what we've been doing as a community for a long time and just trying to amplify that, meaning rain gardens, other stormwater solutions that folks can do at their own properties to try to reduce some of the flooding on site in basements or, or at intersections. I mean, it's a real thing when in your neighborhood you can't get out of your neighborhood because of a flooding event. And everywhere we have these viaducts, it is um, even a larger problem. So at some sites like Cadillac Urban Gardens on Merritt and McKinstry, that's a paved surface lot. And there we farm on concrete with uh, 300 raised beds to work to divert any potential flooding to the extent that we can from that site. And then really work with other residents in the area to help them access resources, whether that be plants, potentially some funding, or yeah. information to help them do things on site at their houses um, or businesses or institutions like schools to reduce stormwater flooding right. and help manage water. Uh, Maggie, that's a, that's a great point. I'm glad you called uh, to make that, Greg and, and Kelly. What about green initiatives? Uh, what about individual initiatives that people can take at their homes or at their businesses to try to reduce the amount of uh, stormwater that goes into the drains? Well, it's the direction we need to head. Um, I think what Maggie mentions is fabulous. There are a lot of Detroit initiatives underway to incorporate more green, green infrastructure practices. And the goal with that is that it, like I mentioned, it just manages the rainfall where it lands. You're infiltrating or using up some of that rainfall so that's less stress on the underground infrastructure. Um, There are other organizations, nonprofit organizations. You know, I would encourage people to consider being involved with their local watershed councils. Mm. You know, the Huron River Watershed, Rouge River Watershed, Friends of the Rouge, Clinton River Watershed. All of these watershed councils are very active in not only educating residents about what they can do on their own properties, Um, but also seeking out grant funding to implement some of these projects. And then they partner even with some of the local governments and local agencies. So I think the recurring theme is that it's not just, you know, a government issue to solve. You know, obviously the funding is a big part of that on that side, but there are practices we can do individually and in our own neighborhoods that helped with this problem. Hmm. Greg, go ahead. And within the city of Detroit, there's actually economic incentives to build green infrastructure on your properties. They have a, um, a, they have a drainage fee, and obviously that's something that everybody who lives in the city is aware of now. Um, that drainage fee has a, a credit program associated with it. So if you can reduce your hardcover, reduce your impervious surface, put in a, a, a rain guard and buy retention, um, you can reduce your fee significantly. And the city also has a capital partnership <clears throat> program that helps to pay for the installation of some of those. And, and the payback period isn't really necessarily all that long, and it makes those investments worthwhile. So there are, like I said, there, there are definitely economic incentives within the city of Detroit. Hmm. Uh, again, Maggie, thanks very much for the call and the really interesting info there. Let's go to Jim in Pontiac. Jim, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey. Um, I, uh, coming up to work today with my son, I pointed out to him uh, on Telegraph Road, there was a oil sheen on the road when it's nice and wet. So... All this stuff ends up in our, well, you know, lakes, rivers, and streams if it's a separated system immediately. Hmm. In a combined system, at least if it's if it's treated properly, at least some of that is reduced. So, 
Um, to me, I, I think the Greg mentioned again the stormwater utility. Uh, right now, most communities are paying generally through their general fund for for drains or for other things, you know, for combined systems or separated drains for controlling stormwater. So um, they're already paying for it. Um, if we do a, a stormwater utility, it's more fair because it's it's then instead of just paying on the value of your property, you're paying on how much stormwater you're actually you producing. actually generate. Sure. And, and when you do that, then if you do, as Craig just mentioned, um, if you then give that gives the incentive for people to put in rain gardens, rain barrels, things like that. If you can lower or limit the amount getting into the system, then you can get a credit for that. So it, it encourages. Um, lowering the amount of stormwater, and it pays for the things we need to be doing now and in the future. And it's, it's the better way of doing it. Um, and these two folks you got as guests, I work with a lot, and, and these are some of the best folks in this kind of industry <laughs> and, and really advocating for this. We've been working together to try to get this legislatively done for a few years now. And uh, every year we're going to keep trying until it gets done because this is the only fair way of approaching it. Hmm. The last thing I want to say is, you know, the president and some and Democrats in Congress or in the Senate have said that, you know, they're looking at a two trillion dollar infrastructure plan, which yeah. I you know, gosh, if this would work in the standard way where it's 80 percent federal and 20 percent local, that would be great. But the last time the president proposed it, it was 20 percent federal and 80 percent local. We're already not being able to afford what we have. We can't afford to be spending 80% to get 20 back. If we want to seriously control this as a national issue, we need to do that. So this is that's my worry, is if we don't do it in a way that's going to be sustainable, it'll just kind of spurt and then go away. Right. And, and we have to do this in a logical way. Jim, I appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, Greg and Kelly, we've got about a minute and a minute and a half left. I want to get you to respond to what Jim is saying, especially about how we pay for infrastructure. He seems to be suggesting that we're paying, but we're just not paying in a way that's fair uh, or sufficient. That's right. Uh, Jim. Jim's absolutely right. The, we need the legislation to pass in Lansing to enable communities to create stormwater utilities. It helps to, if you can reduce flooding and, and increase or enhance stormwater quality, you're going to make your community a better place. You're going to attract people and businesses. And I think that's just like roads, effective drainage is a, is a foundation for a strong local economy, and I think that is extremely important, and that's why we need, we need that legislation. I think that's, that's what communities need to do. Go ahead, Kelly. I think the only thing I would add to that is it's analogous to your water and sewer. You pay for a cost for service. You pay for how much you use from your water, and you pay for water and, and wastewater services. Likewise, this is more of a cost for service based on how much stormwater you generate and then also providing credit back to you for any sort of techniques you implement to reduce that amount. Mm. Um, it only makes sense. You know, it's, it's important to look at it that way. Okay. Greg Kazvinsky and Kelly Carl, thanks to both of you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow when we're going to talk about food and the food economy in Detroit and across southeast Michigan. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. I'll speak with you again tomorrow.